inspiring and equipping you to live the life you're destined to live. This is the Ascend Men Podcast. Welcome back, Ascend Men. This is Alan Colley, your podcast host. Today, we're talking with Pete McCallum. Pete was born to faithful Christian parents in a Suffolk town called I, which, with a population of around 2,000 people, is a very small place. After moving to the metropolis of Dis, he started to show early signs of his musical talent, picking up the violin at age seven. Later, his high school music teacher said he was a natural performer, and he was soon wrapping his fingers around the frets of a guitar from around 15. He met New Zealander Lizzie in 2009, and they married three years later, and now have two beautiful daughters. He's worked for Christian Aid, been music director and worship pastor at the C3 Church, and is now the director of Macallan Music Limited. Musically, Pete and his band Pyramid Park are developing a great reputation after touring Europe and the US, playing at festivals all over the world, and releasing three albums, I Hear Your Voice in 2014, Vulnerability in 2017, and in 2020, Not an Island. His music has been described as lush, vibrant, mysterious, immersive, and lustrous. And I hope people say the same about our conversation today. Welcome, Pete. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm very impressed by some of the things you pulled out there and have no idea where some of it came from. <laughs> you see, that's my, my research. Excellent research. So we always like to get to know our guests with uh, three quick fire questions. So first up, who does the ironing in your house? Well, neither of us really, to be honest. But um, <laughs> if it had to be one of us, probably me. Good, good, good to know you've got that skill. Um, secondly, Macallan, does that originate from a US city or is it Gaelic ancestry? Um, I think it's Gaelic, uh, Scotland somewhere. Um, I looked it up when we were in Inverness a while back in some ancestry place and some book or something. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, Macallan is Scottish. Great. Well, we'll get you a bit of tartan. And uh, third of all, as somebody who is developing quite a presence, what keeps you grounded? I think knowing that you haven't got it all together, you never did have and you never will have. Um, and kids as well, they keep me very grounded. <laughs> if they don't like, what say, one of my songs, they'll just tell me, no, I don't want that today. I want Radio 1. Helpful. Very helpful. So uh, I want you to imagine, Pete, that we are in a lift together for a minute. And I'm a reporter for NME magazine. Tell me about your passion for music and why we should feature you in a future issue. Well, I think I am a quirky mix of being from the UK, but having a Kiwi wife. So I feel like I belong to two countries instead of one. And um, I've been writing songs for a very long time and have a distaste for the mediocre in songwriting. And so I feel that my songs are raw, vulnerable, honest, like many other songwriters, but they have that little twist from the other side of the world. Great. Well, we're going to hear more about that a little bit later. But looking back to your, I guess, your history in music, mm. which artist would you say has had the biggest influence on you? Always a really difficult question for me. Um, 
but I think you be, you're probably your most influential in your early teens. And in my early mm-hmm. teens, I was in the church world. And so I would say people like Delirious were quite a big influence on me. Um, and not maybe an artist, but music teacher, um, people who played guitar who were maybe three or four, five, six years older than me. And I'd watch them on stage and just mm. be inspired by them and, and watch their passion in the way they performed and mm. kind of wanted to be like that. Now, you've recently supported House Fires during their UK tour. That's a great, that's a great opportunity. Um, who would you most want to support you when you're the star attraction? Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, I have no idea, really. Uh, th- there's a guy locally that I really respect his work uh, called Ben Lawrence. He's the guy that comes to mind, and he has written a whole album on the loss of his twin brother, who had cancer maybe five years ago, I want to say. And I just love his storytelling through songs, so I'd like to give him a go. Mm. Great. And um, when you were 11, so that's really links on to the next question, because when you were 11, mm. uh, you're talking about the Ben Lawrence losing, losing a, a twin. You lost your father very rapidly, I think. He, he declined very quickly in his health, mm. uh, had a cancer diagnosis and died three weeks later. Um, and that's a really, really formative time of life for a young man like you. Mm-hmm. What impact has that had on your music? It's had a, well, not just on my music, but on my life, I think it's had a profound impact. He was a man of faith and very, the conversation around the home was very much about heaven, even Mm. way before any form of diagnosis. And and you're right, three weeks, he got the diagnosis and, and he died three weeks later. So it was quite a rapid thing for us to process. And, um, personally for me, hearing that around the house and, reconciling that with knowing his destiny so clearly was something that helped me handle the grief very well Mm. and I think um, I've had several experiences with that grief but the one that I remember the most I was there when he died in the room and I remember sitting there with the pastor of our church my mum next to me and watching him pass from earth to eternity and and kind of processing it in two two parts almost one part very emotional but not teary emotional Mm -hmm. um and the other part quite i want to say numb but numb isn't the right word but like being in a vacuum Mm. and sometime later while i was sitting on the floor of their room as the doctor came to certify his death and all the usual things that happen in that moment all the things that as an 11 year old I, i didn't realize would happen um i I heard this voice in my head saying, you can choose for me to be your father or reject me, Mm. you choose. And I knew instinctively that was the voice of God. Mm. It wasn't a thought, it wasn't a feeling, it wasn't a spoken word, but it was as close to a spoken word as it could have been. And I just prayed probably one of the best prayers I've prayed in my life, which was, God, I need you to be my father, help. Mm. And from that moment on, I, I feel that was a very pivotal prayer for me to pray because it took the thing out of my hands, mm-hmm. took the thing out of my dealing with it. And of course, when you're going through grief at that age, there's a whole range of things that you, you walk through. But for me, that was a moment of really establishing something in my life, which was, I feel like a framework of 
trusting in the goodness of the Father Heart of God and knowing that despite circumstance, he was, he was, is, and will be with me and walk with me through that. It was also called to courage. And I feel it almost was the making of me. Losing my dad was the thing that caused me to have a bit of backbone. And I, I'm naturally probably a sensitive person. I guess that's why I gravitate towards the arts mm. and music. But I think it gave me a bit of resilience that I didn't realize at the time, but if I look back, I was probably an easy kid to pick on at school mm. for my height, my stature. I was quite academic. Um, and suddenly I went from that kind of viewpoint to being one of, well, I face this. <laughs> mm. Maybe, maybe other challenges won't be so bad. And I didn't think that through like that. But I think internally there was this work going on where I was growing in faith. Uh, secure in who I was in God and able to kind of establish new rhythms of bravery and courage that helped me to step out and take more risks in life than maybe I would have done mm. had I not had that experience. Wow, that's a powerful story, Pete. And um, I think in the, in the future, we have a podcast planned. We've not recorded it yet. We've got a couple of guests lined up to talk about what a good death looks like. Um, and what you've just spoken there, I could almost lift from this episode and drop into that one because I think what you're telling me, it was a good death. Um, yeah. as painful, difficult, traumatic, um, as, as, as death is, it can still be a good death. And somebody who can now say it was the making of me, mm. I think, I think to use that phrase in the context of losing somebody so close to you. Yeah. I think that's really, uh, that, <laughs> I think you you learn how to say goodbye well. Mm. I mean, I was fortunate I had those three weeks. I was fortunate to have, you know, yeah. I say this knowing that other people maybe never have had that experience of, you know, some people lose someone close in an, in an instant yeah. and that's horrific. But from my experience, yes, there is a type of trauma that you go through as a child because I was still effectively a child. Yeah. Um, and you, you grow up potentially lopsided so you know mm. i would say i related better to people in their 40s than my peers in some areas mm -hmm. because i had suddenly had to grow up mm. um, but in other areas i remained a boy until adulthood and beyond and had to kind of later on in life reconcile that but the way that my dad dealt with his death yeah. was very courageous and i felt mm -hmm. he didn't you know i i'm a believer in healing I believe God can heal. I I have seen healings firsthand, but he was very clear, this is my time. Mm. And as a Christian, I think that's a really powerful thing mm. to, we all say, oh, I'm not, I hear Christians say, I'm not afraid of dying. But when you actually see and hear the way people pray about sickness and death, there's actually a lot of fear linked to that. Yeah. And for my dad, I saw a lot of faith yeah. and he was looking forwards. He wasn't trying to cling on to life. Yeah. And that has helped me a lot to kind of process death in the future, I guess. Yeah. Um, and learning to say goodbye as well. Mm. You know, I always try when I say goodbye to the girls at home, I say a good goodbye and not just a rushed goodbye. Yeah. Um, that's just one of my kind of inner things I do now because of knowing, well, we don't know, do we? 
we don't. What a great habit. And I think that's there's a takeaway for anybody right now looking for something to take from this conversation, which is to do your goodbyes. And, and I hate to say it this way, but almost like say your goodbyes as if it's the last, mm. um, because you never know. You really don't know what's going to happen yeah. in your life or other people's lives. So that's that's powerful. Um, are there any particular songs or a particular song that you would say has come out of that period of your life or that that pain? Yeah, I mean, the one you're probably referring to is a song called Father, Father, um, which is on an album called Vulnerability. It's an album, I, not an album, it's a song I wanted to write for a very long time and tried a few times and then realised, you know what, I'm forcing something out of me. Um, Father, Father then came one night, we'd just moved into the house we live in now, and I was in what's now the girls' bedroom, just strumming away trying to write a song and out of nowhere within sort of 40 minutes mm. this song just landed on me i feel it was a bit of a gift from god because most songwriting is not like that at all father father holding the hand of the orphan child and the widowed mother father father it just expresses the heart of the father mm. walking with the the orphan child the widowed mother and some of my experiences of god as a father to me and what's really been amazing over the last few years is with pyramid park stuff that i've been doing um i often will play a band set but then get off onto the floor of wherever i'm playing and just play it a cappella with well acoustically mm. without any mics or anything in mm. in the group of people that are there and it's quite a poignant and powerful moment um it's it's probably the closest i've come to like a spiritual experience where i'm ministered to as much as the people might be mm. and those moments have lived with me for a long time personally as well as the people who then message back oh i was there with this and that, that moment was incredible and i lost my dad when i was this age or my mum's no longer with us and i'm i'm having to handle my whole family on my own you know mm. and you hear these stories and you think oh my goodness you know, this is just a song. This is just my story, but somehow God magnifies and multiplies it and uses it, even though it's probably not my best song. And it's probably, you know, there's many others who have a similar story, perhaps, but I'm very grateful for that. Probably depends how you d define best song. Yeah. If it's, if it's about impact, maybe it's your best song. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> So let's go on. You're talking about father there and, you, and father, father as a song and fatherhood. So let's go on to talk about Pete the father and being Pete the musician. So the, the music industry has been through some tectonic shifts in recent years. In my lifetime, uh, we've gone from vinyl through cassette tapes, uh, CDs and streaming now, They're going from linear to on demand. And the barriers to entry, you know, starting a career in music is much easier in some respects now. Um, anybody can put something out there just about. And we've got AI composing and performing. Uh, things are getting fiercely competitive and, and cluttered in some respects. So I'm curious, how do you plan to develop your music career and support your family in this rapidly changing scene? Yeah, I mean, it's not for the faint-hearted, that is for sure. And you need multiple revenue streams, um, practically. You know, I'm my one of my goals is to try and take things away from live performance. One, because I want to be at home more. But two, you know, we've lived through a pandemic now where that was just taken away, and that was a very tricky time. So for me, it's about having 
having a standard that you expect of yourself as a songwriter you know if you have good songs then you can have good product production but if you have average songs with good production they're still average songs so that really is the core for me and i've tried over the years and i'm working on an album now i'm working on a side project as well which is effectively another album um, under a different name with another producer and it's about having as many different projects when it comes to songwriting to then be able to use those effectively so whether that's conversations with publishers or what's called sync agents which are people who synchronize music to tv and film um, there's a few of those things happening at the moment that are just conversations for me but i can see the potential of that side of things and then you do have touring you do have merch you can see behind me for no one watching this but for you and i <laughs> uh, my merch <laughs> the vinyl the cds i have like limited edition and you just learn to be savvy with you know taking courses uh, working with the right people networking all of these things um have yeah. been very important and on top of that i'm actually doing a degree at the moment in graphic design so um that is the other side of it where in the quiet moments for music music is never quiet in terms of workload but it is sometimes quiet in terms of finance so that will be my other form of income once i i get through my degree so, so you're, you're talking about taking a course and developing your skills and diversifying. Um, what advice would you give to a father who might be listening to this, um, who's got a budding musician, son or daughter, so that he can try to develop their skills and their interests and their, 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 their future in music? I think practice every day if you can. Like Get really disciplined about how you practice until you're at a point where you've got not just a basic understanding but an understanding where you can then take that somewhere so for me I've never been the best I played violin but I was never the best at that I play guitar but I'm not the best at that but I found my thing which is songwriting so I think as a dad I'd be looking at my girls and it's like well learn the basics so piano guitar whatever but find an understanding on an instrument so that it becomes almost second nature to you to a certain level mm. and then find your passion within that so with piano you may not want to do grade eight piano but you might, might want to go up to like grade six or or something and then go off and and start doing other stuff creatively and songwrite with it or perform with it so it's finding the it's the mix between discipline and discipline and passion i think mm. you have to be disciplined you have to find anyone and you're a musician as well you will know this that mm -hmm. the gift of practicing a, an instrument is not just being being better at that instrument or being creatively inspired it is the gift of discipline every day of yeah. learning how to form habits that will change your life over the long haul mm -hmm. and that's for my eldest who started to learn piano literally a week ago um first lesson mm -hmm. and I am more concerned about her character in the the discipline side than I am about the skill of the playing at the moment and if she can get the first bit right then I think the second bit will come mm -hmm. and then after that it's about well as a dad as she gets older well if she does want to go into the music industry well how can you you know no one really put their arm around me and said hey this could be a smart move if you start printing off your merch early when you play gigs and I wish I had I could have earned a lot more from live gigs <laughs> so it would just be like from a business side well how can we learn from what's current in the industry and outside of the industry and maybe in the tech world 
to how do we leverage make these things work together how can you have other skills that will support this skill so that you can take it as far as you can rather than having a backup plan and thinking it's it's not possible i think it's finding other skills that will support that and encourage that and and lastly i'd say have fun just like really <laughs> really enjoy it because it is fun great um now you have um you've successfully delivered three albums um, mm-hmm. and across those three albums, there are 35 songs. And some of the guys listening to this uh, episode may never have heard any of those songs. Yep. Now you've mentioned Father Father from the Vulnerability album, which if somebody's particularly interested in that song, they can obviously go and have a listen to that. But what advice would you give guys who are just coming to um, Pyramid Park or Pete McAllen without any prior knowledge of, of what you've done? Where should they begin? I think start with the Not An Island album because it is the album I always wanted to make. For me, there's 12 songs on there, varying degrees of energy. And then I've got an EP called Anomaly, which was released a year later in 2021, midway through the pandemic. And that for me is that sums up that phase of life that I was in quite well so if you're interested in what I was going through as all the gigs were falling apart and if all my plans had to be replanned three times over have a listen to that it's quite an interesting little project well yeah it's really interesting so your last uh, three albums have all been spaced by three years apart 2014 Mm. 2017 2020 and it's now 2023 I'm working on a project so yeah you mentioned that so uh, do you want to talk some more about that or is that all wrapped in in secrecy at the moment no, I'm just I'm just interested in the future and and how can we as a body of guys listening to this, supportive of Pete McAllen and Pyramid Park, what can we do to champion you? Thank you. Well, it's very kind of you to ask that. I think this project is one that is particularly close to my heart. Um, we lost my mother-in-law about a year year and a half ago. Um, she was based in Auckland, and a cancer diagnosis again and we managed to miraculously because New Zealand was in lockdown travel over there and get into the country which was no mean feat and spent some time two and a half months with her and then had to come back and she passed away soon after that and I wanted to process a lot of this through songwriting I felt there was something grief has been a big part of my life in many ways and yeah, I've never really written about it beyond one or two songs. And I've just felt like this next project, which I thought would be like maybe five or six songs, would be a great opportunity to explore that personally, as well as potentially wrapping up some of the father father stuff from earlier years. And the six songs turned into 12 or 13. And I realized it was a big project that I needed to do. So I'm I'm heading up this week to do the second phase of the recording. With all my projects, I, I don't have a record label. Um, not sure that's always the best way to go about things anyway, but I crowdfund everything. So I've been crowdfunding for every project. This crowdfund has been the hardest one by a long shot, partly because of maybe the cost of living crisis. For some, that's just not an option for them. Totally understand that. So how to support, if you've got any spare cash and you want to get behind it, just go to my website, Pyramid Park. .net and there's a button there to join what is now a pre-order for the album or you know just pray for us there've been so many hurdles with this project like there haven't for other projects and so for me 
it kind of makes me even more determined to see it through because I feel it's kind of got that extra something about it. It's not all sad. It's it's absolutely not. It feels like a celebration of life, but it's going to be different to other stuff I've done, I think. I think we need to leave it there, but uh, some really good actions there. Go and buy the Anomaly EP. Have a listen to Not an Island. If you've got any spare cash, go and pre-order for the next album at pyramidpark.net and something we can all do, which is to pray. So, uh, Pete, thank you for joining us today on the SN Men podcast. And uh, it's been been great hearing about you. And we'd love to have you back uh, maybe once that album's out and uh, we can play a few tracks from it and, uh, and give us a little bit of a backstory about one or two of them. How about that? Sounds great. I don't know if others would say that was a lush, vibrant, mysterious, immersive and lustrous conversation, but I really enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a real privilege. That's it for this Ascend Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, please share it with a mate. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Together, we are stronger.